This morning's reading comes from Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 to 33. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be bought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then bought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in their years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child, now that I am old? Is this anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord, by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, What if only forty are found there? 
He said, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? He said, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're going to be thinking about people in prayer. We're going to look at a number of people in prayer in the next few weeks. And this is a good basis for reflecting on not a series on how to pray, but on how people of the past did pray, uh, and therefore what the implications might be for us as we seek to be people of prayer today. Now, I take it in preaching this morning, most of us here would probably consider ourselves people of prayer in some ways. There may well be within our midst, there are some who are what you might consider to be prayer warriors, people who are great prayers, who pray extensively about all sorts of things and pray at great length. Uh, And there might be others who are people who only pray casually and occasionally or others who do their prayer on the run. Uh, I don't think we should imply that there's a model of prayer that everybody has to follow, although there are good principles that go with the issue uh, of what it means to be a praying person. So today we're going to be thinking about Abraham. Next week we're going to talk about Jacob wrestling with God. Then we're going to think about Moses uh, and his shining face And then as part of another series which we're doing following on from that, which we're going to do um, with the book of Ruth, we'll think about Hannah's wonderful prayer in the book of Ruth. Uh, In between, we do have uh, the Reverend Canon Dr. uh, David Williams, who's coming the next two Sundays, uh, hopefully in the flesh, in person, here with us in the person, but who would know next week and the following week. And David's coming back as a thank you to St. Columns for allowing St. Andrew's Hall to uh, occupy St. Columns last year. Uh, before they moved into their magnificent new facilities. And uh, it'll be a great pleasure for us to have him preach to us for the next two Sundays. But today, we're thinking about Abraham. Now, as I think I mentioned last week, one of the many unique dimensions to the Christian faith is that we believe in a God of relationship, a God who wants to relate to us, who wants to communicate with us, who wants us to share our lives with him, who wants us to respond to him, by talking with him in prayer. Uh, And the Christian faith is all about that relationship. And that's a relationship that we, as God's people, share in together. Uh, It's not religious actions. It's not a whole lot of obligations. It's about a deep, personal, abiding, ongoing relationship. So in looking at people at prayer, as we will do, we're going to look at how some people have prayed uh, in the past. And as I've said today, we're thinking about Abraham. Now, like, unlike most of us, Abraham had no trouble having contact with heaven. Throughout his long life, God initiated the contact, and it was very direct. God met with him, God spoke to him, and God granted him visions, God spoke, and Abraham responded. Now, I don't know if that about you, but that's probably not been your experience of having direct personal contact with God in the immediate sense in which Abraham did. So right at the outset, I think it's good to be reminded that God is always speaking. To hear him isn't isn't usually a mystical experience, or so sometimes that might be our experience. And it's certainly the case, a recurring case, that amongst 
people from an Arab background who've come to places like Australia, that God seems to speak to them in dreams and visions, and many have come to faith uh, on that basis. Rather, it's a willingness to pay heed to God's voice and to respond as we live out our lives. We can sometimes talk about hearing God, but that's rarely audible, audibly. The word here in the New Testament generally refers to paying heed to God's voice and seeking to respond to it. Now, Abraham in many unique experiences, and he's one of the great ones, but that doesn't separate him from us. Rather, he sets us an example of someone who did hear God's voice and he had to seek out how to respond to it. And that's the position that we're all in, is it not? How do we hear God speak when God does speak to us in his various ways, principally through his word? How, in fact, are we going to respond and what are we going to do to that voice? We may not have the same dramatic experiences that Abraham had, but we should bear in mind that he had no written scriptures and he wasn't a part of a living church. He was living in a tent as a nomadic person uh, in the Middle East of his day. Now, in the reading that we had today, we begin with Abraham receiving three guests. Abraham doesn't know who they are, and they were probably Bedouin, dressed as Bedouin tribesmen. He offers them full and appropriate hospitality because that was part of the tradition of the day. As people wandered around as nomads, they were offered hospitality when they turned up, which involved foot washing and the preparation of a beautiful meal. Now, we don't know what they discussed during the meal, but it must have come as a shock to Abraham to be asked, where is your wife, Sarah? And the answer is there in the tent, is the reply. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, what sort of guest is that who turns up, sharing a lovely meal, they know nothing about you, and you know nothing about who they are, and they make this incredibly bold, prophetic, and definitive statement In spite of the promises of God, Sarah and Abraham were childless. And Sarah, who's in the other room, seemingly through the tent walls, uh, is somewhat shocked, perplexed, amused, and overwhelmed by this particular statement. It could be considered to have been profoundly offensive, given how old she and Abraham were, uh, and the fact that they had been waiting for so long for this great thing to happen. And she thinks, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? The stranger who is now identified as the Lord himself rebukes her for her laughter. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. The scene moves on as these mysterious visitors start to walk towards the city of Sodom, and Abraham accompanies them uh, in order to say farewell. So who are these visitors? Now, one of them clearly represents God revealed in the flesh, Now, some people have seen this as being uh, the two members of the Holy Trinity being physically present uh, with Abraham at that time. Others have seen them as being uh, angels who've come to pay an angelic visitation. In chapter 19, verse 1, they're described as angelic beings, uh, and that's how it's most often been depicted uh, in the many, many pieces of art that have been uh, created to capture this scene. We now witness a remarkable scene where God talks out loud with his angelic companions. It's a divine soliloquy. God is in human form and he talks and thinks like a person. God, we know, is all-knowing and all-powerful, and yet here we see him thinking out loud, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Evidently, the Lord is about to destroy Sodom, whose evil was both notorious 
and whose judgment was deserved. God, the Lord of the universe, knows both the big picture and yet is concerned about the one place, one place and its people. Now, why would God bother talking to Abraham, taking Abraham into his confidence? God seems to feel that a sense of obligation to inform Abraham of what he's intending to do. This is an amazing situation. God, the Lord of the, the far-flung galaxies, the creator of life and all that exists, the all-powerful, all-knowing, inscrutable judge of angels, demons and all people, is taking the trouble to explain his actions to an individual and is talking to him without condescension but in terms that he can understand. So why? Well, it says in the text that God knew Abraham in verse 19. The NIV translate this, uh, translate this as, for I have chosen him. But many other translations have it as, for I know Abraham. So God knew and had chosen Abraham to be his means of blessing to many people and to all nations. He knew that as hard as it had been, that Abraham still trusted him and his promises. And he knew that he ordered his household in a godly manner. He was God's chosen one. And through him, the promises of God were to be fulfilled. Now, is God then selecting a superior human being, one in whom he has dealings as distinct from the rest of us who are mere mortals? Well, again, that's a tricky question, isn't it? But it's an important one. Do we have to struggle to upgrade ourselves so that God will, might deem us worthy to talk with? Well, that God knew Abraham tells us that not only was God Abraham's Lord and creator, he was also his friend and companion along the way. God fulfills his promises through human partners, partners, and one of them was Abraham. It's remarkable that God wants such a relationship with us. We're creatures made by him. We're sinners redeemed by him. We're God's children by adoption and by new birth. And yet he calls each of us to a higher dignity, that of friends and partners. In John 15, verse 15, we read, I no longer call you servants, but because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So God has given us full disclosure of everything that we need to know, invites us to be his friends and companions, and to be part of the means by which he continues to do his work in his world today. Now, these are remarkable statements by Jesus. If we are friends with God, then we share his plans and his thoughts with us. And if we're his partners, we'll be concerned about his, he will be concerned about our views on his plans and projects because we partner with him to do his will. Now, whatever else we consider prayer to be, it's intended to be a sharing and a taking counsel with God on matters of importance to him. It's as if God is inviting us to join his celestial board uh, and we are attendees at the board meeting. The agenda is related to matters of divine destiny. Now, this really transforms prayer from being principally about our own personal needs and anxieties. God and his kindness is concerned for them. He was concerned about the particularity of the fact that Abraham and Sarah desperately wanted a child, uh, and he attends to their particular concern and their particular need. But God has already dealt, uh, but in this particular case, God and his kindness, so, so we bring before him all of our needs and concerns, but in an overall sense, God has drawn up the agenda for our meeting with him, and he has much bigger items to consider. 
Now in Genesis 18, God is taking counsel with Abraham about the destiny of the city of Sodom and its inhabitants. God has already dealt with Abraham's biggest personal concern because he'll have a son. So when Abraham hears of God's plan for Sodom to be destroyed in judgment, he's filled with dread and fear. To us, Sodom is just another city in ancient history, uh, a name that's infamous uh, because of its sinfulness. For Abraham, it was a place full of flesh and blood people. Abraham knew Sodom and his relative Lot lived there. He knew its king and he had personally rescued many of its inhabitants when war had overtaken them, and we read about that in Genesis 14. So was Abraham just concerned for his own family, his relative, Lot? Lot and his family, well, it would seem not. He was concerned for the righteous and merciful people who lived in that infamous city. So Abraham approaches God and questions him. Would you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in that city? Would you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it for you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous and the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? What an amazing petition by Abraham. You wouldn't call this mealy-mouthed or groveling. It isn't as if you'd be your will, O Lord, type prayer. Abraham knows from personal struggle and pain that if God makes a promise, he will keep it. So this was Abraham's first board meeting, and this is his first participation in that board. Pretty scary, don't you think? If you've been a member of various boards, it's always a bit intimidating when you turn up at the first board meeting because you don't know what the dynamics are, you don't know what the agenda is often, and you don't know how it all kind of works. Well, that's what's kind of going on here. What about if, uh, what about if it be thy will, O Lord, type prayers? Is that how we should pray? It does seem biblical, does it not? Later on, we will indeed pray the Lord's Prayer and we will say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is all about trying to work out God's will for us to participate in. In prayer, hopefully, we will have a clearer sense of what God would have us do and also a stronger sense of who God is. And if we're honest, we often pray if it be thy will type prayers as a cop-out because we don't want to accept responsibility for the outcomes or the implications of our prayer and we want to kind of handball the issue to God uh, and leave it with him because it's uh, therefore his problem. It's easier to pray that way than to try and work out God's will and live in the fullness of the reality of who God is and what that might mean for us. Now, as we know, Abraham's first request of God isn't the last. So is he just haggling with God? Is this like a form of Middle Eastern bargaining uh, which people from the Middle East are experts at, if you've ever been or travelled to the Middle East. Uh, I was involved in running a tour of Turkey a number of years ago, and we had a lady called Winnie who was on the tour who was from Hong Kong, uh, and uh, she could bargain, I could tell you. So we had this embarrassing experience once where we went to a leather factory and they turn on the hospitality for you in order to buy leather clothes. Uh, all of the group were on the bus leaving, waiting to leave, and uh, we were then we, we, we didn't know where, where Winnie was. Well, it turned out Winnie was still inside bargaining uh, to get the cheapest possible deal on buying the leather goods or clothes that she bought. Well, is that what's going on here? No, I think we can say that he wants us to understand who God is and what God is like. If God is a just God, then surely he will act justly and mercifully. 
And if there are indeed righteous people in Sodom, will they suffer the same fate as the wicked? He's concerned not just with the seeming severity of God's judgment, but also the seeming injustice of it. Now, interestingly, the prayer and the interaction moves from God's will for Abraham and his family to Abraham trying to fathom the will of God for others. And surely we all wrestle with this dilemma. We all pray the God bless me type prayers as we also at times come before God asking for clarity as to what on earth he has in mind and how on earth his will is being enacted in our lives or the lives of others. We're all in this place at present as we endure the consequences of the pandemic in our lives uh, and in uh, in in our community. Now imagine the tension Abraham must have felt. He's standing with God and he wants God to be just as well as merciful. And how can we question God? And yet he does. And he reminds God that he's a God of mercy and that he's committed himself to do right. In one sense, it's the fate of Sodom that is the issue. But a big, bigger, in a bigger sense, it's the character of God that actually is the issue at hand here. If we are indeed God's friends and partners, then that will mean that we not only can approach him and talk to him about our particular issues, we can also ask questions of him about what's going on. How else are we going to share in his work together if we don't question God together as we pray together both personally and his, as his people? So Abraham asks about the 50 righteous, then the 45, and then the 40, and then the 30, and then the 20, and finally the 10. If there are only 10 righteous people in the city, will they be spared? Now, we don't know why Abraham stopped at 10, but we do know that Abraham was satisfied. God was no longer a monster, but the God of mercy and justice that he knew him to be. Prayer in this case had changed Abraham. The chair of the board closed the meeting and the members went home. Abraham had a much bigger sense of who God is and what it was to both know him and to follow him. And we ourselves live out this story in our prayers. A friend has a major illness. What is God's will? Could God could heal that person, but he doesn't always. How do we trust God and believe him to be good? And how do we help the person and their family? And how do we pray? We're seeking new life directions. How do we pray? If we are God's friends and partners, are we concerned to go to a place where, he will, where we will be of use to him? Because many of us have been in that situation many times where we're seeking God's direction for our lives. At present, uh, you're seeking a new vicar for your church, and as I've always said, uh, the person that you're seeking, generally speaking, if they're a great person, won't want to leave where they are. They'll be doing good ministry in a good place, and there'll be good reasons to stay where they are. Uh, And somehow God, in his mercy, will intervene in their life to help them to come to a point where they realize that he's guarding them somewhere else, and that won't necessarily be an easy decision. Uh, And that's what we need to be praying about in relation to the vacancy at St. Columns. We have a staff member. You have a staff member who's causing you issues. How do you find a balance between being supportive and yet clear about whatever those issues are and what needs to change? How do you act in a godly manner in relation to them? And how do you reconcile the fact that you prayed about this person being appointed? Uh, They seem to be the right person, and now you've got all these challenges. One of your children is no longer following the Lord. They're making choices that are hard to support. Does God still love them? Has God given up on them? And how do you keep loving and accepting them in spite of the things that they're involved in that may be causing you grief? 
And how do you keep on trusting God for them in their immediate and eternal future? Well, God wants the best for his church, but there are so many things going on in the wider church, it's perplexing, because that's one of the challenges at present, is it not? For all of us, uh, with high-profile church leaders who have come into question in recent months and decades. Jesus invites us to be his friends and his partners. We express that in our prayer and to him and with him. We bring our daily requests to him, but we also talk to him with as we seek clarity as to how we can be of use to him and partner with him to do his will. There will be pain and there will be struggle. We'll sometimes question God. We'll sometimes be angry with God and frustrated with God. And we'll, want to, we'll sometimes wonder whether God really has our best at heart and whether we can trust him. As we do this, we hopefully will have a stronger sense of who God really is and what it means to live and serve him. We'll have a growing sense of who God is and what he wants us to be a part of. Prayer isn't just passively going along with whatever it is that God wants us to do. It's an active relationship which involves questions and responses. And somehow in the midst of, what we, of that, we have a greater sense of his will for us because that's really what's the big picture here. What is God's will? And how can we be a part of the outworking of that will together? Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Stephen. We're uh, now going to sing together uh, again, so prepare yourself for singing. Stand if you wish. Hear our prayer we sing. <laughs> 